This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Hello there. This is Brian, Warren, and Jennifer from the Wabash Valley Power Alliance Economic Development Team. Together with 19 rural electric member cooperatives, we serve communities in 48 Indiana counties. And we're proud to sponsor today's IEDA In Your Ear podcast. Enjoy! This podcast is the first in an occasional series of podcasts that will highlight the careers of economic development professionals as they transition out of the profession and into retirement. We want to use these sessions to document and highlight the service to Indiana that these individuals have provided. We want to provide an opportunity for them to share their experiences and wisdom and reflect upon the changes in the practice of economic development that they have seen during their careers. So I'm really pleased to kick off this series uh, with uh, Diane Thalman, uh, Economic Development Manager with NIPSCO. Diane is the 2018 recipient of the IEDA Excellence in Economic Development Award and just recently retired from her position at NIPSCO. So, Diane, I want to thank you for taking time to talk with me today. Well, Lee, you're welcome. And I have to say I'm extremely honored to be the first retiree that you've reached out to to do this. Not that I'm excited about retirement, but um, I I sort of am. It's uh, been a new venture for me. So uh, thank you for reaching out. So when I started at at IEDA, you were on the board and you were with NIPSCO. But how long total were you with NIPSCO? I was with NIPSCO for just about 22 years. And very interestingly, um, I was in economic development those whole 22 years. Okay. So now I think what, what makes, makes you unique is, so you, you knew in third grade you wanted to be an economic developer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so uh, obviously, most of us don't end up in the field uh, by plan necessarily. So uh, talk about um, how your career developed, uh, maybe before you got to NIPSCO, and then how you ultimately uh, ended up in economic development uh, at uh, NIPSCO. Well, back in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, I played a lot of sports, and I thought, well, I'm going to go to college uh, close to home so I can play sports around the the LaPorte County area, and so I went to Valparaiso University, started out in pre-law. Obviously, that was not where I wanted to go, and after going through many different majors, I ended up getting a teaching degree, and uh, I have to say that, that getting a teaching degree was helpful not only in my career at NIPSCO, but also in my careers before that, because it uh, teaches you a lot of things about uh, getting up in front of people, about uh, working with people, um, and also playing sports helped me with teamwork. So got out of college with that, but had decided that really teaching wasn't what I wanted to do, so I went back to school for engineering and started at Purdue North Central, which uh, now is Purdue Northwest, and started in engineering and got a job working in a manufacturing company in Michigan City. Started out taking consumer complaints calls, which gave me an opportunity to listen to customers and understand kind of the customer side of perspective, uh, which again also helped because you learn that uh, customers really aren't that upset. They just want to have something fixed. And if you're in an opportunity to help fix that, 
uh, that can be a great place to be. So in that company, moved up through engineering and did applications engineering, worked with folks uh, in the field that happened to be a boiler company. So we were working with contractors, also a very interesting experience. And we eventually moved into marketing for that company. And from there went into international marketing, had an opportunity to travel abroad a little bit. And then finally they uh, offered me a vice presidency at another division, so I, kept my roots in Michigan City, but also moved up to Wisconsin and served as Vice President of Strategic Planning and Marketing for an international company up there and did that for three years. Of course, I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So um, my father had passed away in uh, 1997 and I wanted to be back in the Michigan City area. And many of you may remember this name, Bob Schaefer. Bob Schaefer was a uh, neighbor of mine and he also worked at NIPSCO and he said if, uh, if you give me your resume um, I will take it to NIPSCO and see if we can get you a job at NIPSCO and he ended up taking that resume to Don Babcock who was in economic development. Don and I sat down had breakfast two weeks later I was uh, turning in my resignation at my previous job I came into NIPSCO as manager of economic development and 22 years later uh, still in the position of manager of economic development and through roundabout way was still working for Don Babcock. So no, I did not know what economic development was. I had no idea that it even existed. Uh, my world was in engineering and manufacturing, which gave me a good background, I think, for um, coming into this position. So that's how I got to economic development at NIPSCO. And I think probably that mirrors most most people. I mean, I don't think anybody takes a straight path into economic development. Uh, and I, you know, you and I've talked on a number of occasions, but I didn't know any of that. I didn't have any sense of, I mean, you've alluded to your background in manufacturing, but didn't know uh, the engineering piece of that. So uh, this is one of the, the challenges. There's no sort of pathway. There's not, a, there's not necessarily a class you can take. So talk about your learning curve as, as you became an economic manager for economic development. How did you learn economic development? I mean, you obviously had to learn it on the fly, but what were some of the ways that you learned the, the craft of economic development? I was probably more fortunate than a lot of folks going into economic development these days and that I had a, a diverse background with different uh, areas that really tied into helping me with economic development as I, as I learned. I mean, for me, coming out of a manufacturing background and being able to relate to what businesses are looking for. In fact, when we were up in Wisconsin, we even went through a site selection process to determine if we should keep our plant there or if we should move our plant somewhere else. So I had been through that as a, uh, on the other side as a customer. So I had that customer perspective. I also had the opportunity to be in the C-suite and be uh, involved with business decisions. So I understood a little more about perhaps why people make decisions in business than others. I'd also had the opportunity to build relationships, not just in the U.S., but across the world. And relationships being so important in economic development gave me that, that background of understanding how important that is. Of course, my sports background, I had that teamwork mentality. Uh, I, 
I used to play tennis, play tennis in college. And I played singles, but I loved playing doubles. It was much more fun to play doubles with a team member. And in fact, I think I was a much better player as I played with the team. When I played on the basketball team, same way. You know, you can be a single player, but teamwork is so important. And I think that was kind of ingrained in my mind based on my background. And of course, with my engineering background, and I, I didn't mention that my dad had worked at NIPSCO for 40 years. And so I was fortunate enough in high school and college to work at NIPSCO with summer help. So I also had a background at NIPSCO. So it, it made me easy. There made it easy for me to kind of slide into um, the NIPSCO economic development world. So fortunately, again, I, I had a lot more uh, background perhaps than many coming in. But I think, gosh, it's been so long. But when you think back, I think the most important thing um, to tell somebody who's coming into economic development is that uh, you're going to learn this profession from other people. You can go to classes, you can kind of get the basics, you can understand kind of the mechanics of what's going on, and that's very important to understand TIFs and tax abatements and things like that. But economic development, at least in my opinion, is really about relationships. And so learning from others is so, so very important. And I, that's, how, that's how I learned economic development. I learned it from, from the people I worked with. I learned it from the customers. I learned it from other folks who were in economic development, and there weren't a whole lot of them at the time back then. Um, and, you know, I have to say that, and I'm going to put a plug in here, leave for IDA, because I think IDA was so important to me, learning economic development. Uh, I joined IDA right at the beginning. And it gave me the opportunity to reach out. You know, there's not a lot of economic development people just hanging around. But going to IEDA gave me an opportunity to learn from all these other folks who had been in the profession for a long time. And I really, really appreciated having that opportunity to sit down and hear what they were doing, hear their thoughts on what was going on. And then probably the third place I learned it, I learned, you know, from, from businesses and, and others and from IDA, but really the customers. And I've always, <laughs> I, I don't know, I've always looked at myself and said, who do I really work for? Do I work for NIPSCO or do I work for the customers? And in my mind or in my heart, I always have worked for the customer. And I always felt that, uh, that working for NIPSCO gave me that opportunity to work for the customers, but they were the people that I needed to understand. And so I learned a lot from businesses that I talked to. I learned a lot from brokers that I worked with, um, particularly those large brokers in the Chicagoland market. Um, they were just so, so full of knowledge about how things worked and what people wanted. And I also learned from site selectors. Um, so I think you, 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 you just can't sit down and say, I'm going to take these classes and now I'm going to be an economic development person. You need to learn it by working with people and working with people who are in the business and actually living it. Well, so that, that, but that raises a, a, an important issue. And this is something that I've heard from, from some of our new folks about, you know, what are some of those critical skills? And, and I think we're, we're beginning to focus on sort of the personal attributes. And, and what I just took from what you said was how critical, not just talking to people, but actually listening. So, so you know, how does that listening, you know, because listening is hard. So talk about, you know, you were listening to customers, you were listening to brokers, you were listening to site selectors. Uh, what does that mean in terms of how you are learning and gathering information? 
so often, I think when we come into a new position, and I've seen this many, many times, that we step into a position, whether it's president of a company, whether it's an economic development professional, or whether you're just working in a department store, um, people want to come in and they want to uh, have people think that they, they, are the, they know it all. And because they've been put in this position, they feel like they have to, to make a change or do something different. I've found that starting a career, the best thing to do is just to talk to people and hear what they have to say, because they're the ones who are gonna give you the answers to uh, what should I be doing? What needs to be done? How should it be done? So I think one-on-one, -on -one, to me, one-on-one, -on -one, sitting down with people, I did a lot of lunches at the beginning, um, just listening to what was going on in somebody's world, what they thought were good what they thought was not so good what they would do different and as you learn from all these different people you can kind of take that in and absorb it and pick the pieces out that that you want to sort of put into your basket and use as as your knowledge base so with listening i, I think you have to ask questions and you have to hear what what these folks feel and try to assimilate that into what you uh, want to use in your uh, in your world. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, so, in 22 years, <laughs> how has economic development changed from when you started to to what's happening now? Well, 22 years is a long time to remember back, but I do remember this: the first day that I came to work, they were putting together a proposal for a potential project. And I walked in the door and there was no formal training. There was no, here's what you're gonna learn about NIPSCO or here's what you're gonna learn about economic development. It was here, take, these, take this packet of paper, go over to that Xerox machine down there, copy the stuff, bring it back and sort it out so we can bind it and get it in FedEx by the end of, of the day. Um, that was kind of the world when I started. We didn't have a lot of online um, opportunities uh, or tools. Uh, in fact, we did not even have an online uh, database for pro projects. So at that, and at that time, we really didn't have regional economic development organizations, and we didn't have a lot of LIDOs. A lot of the economic development was just done locally by uh, city planners and somebody else who may happen to be in, in a role that's sort of related to that. So um, at that time, utilities were really, and you think about it, utilities were really the place where people came to ask questions about properties or about the communities, because there wasn't any place else to really go as that one-stop shop. So as um, in my position, I started out working on a database to try to help us understand our properties so we could answer those questions. And boy, that evolution has come so far as you look. You know, now uh, when I left uh, economic development at NIPSCO, we really didn't get those calls. Those calls were going to our, our fantastic regional organizations who have, have grown and developed uh, or directly to the, the Lido in their area. Those relationships have been built uh, at that level rather than at the utility level. So, I mean, in general, that's, uh, it's been a huge move away from the utility as the focus. Then it went uh, to uh, more of the uh, regional groups as a focus. The state came on board uh, during that time and really picked up and put together their database and they became a one-stop shop. And so there's been a whole lot of, of um, 
infrastructural changes in that way. But I also think there's there's other things that have changed. And I've always watched when I was uh, was um, doing this, um, the area development top 10, what's important, what's important to, and it really was what's important to businesses at the time. And you know, I always kept those. I had a whole big file. Not sure if I kept them or tossed them, but I had a whole big file of all of the area development magazines. And I can remember back at the beginning, you know, <laughs> For example, in my world, electricity at one time was number three on the list. Availability of electricity. Well, you know, you didn't even see workforce on the list. You didn't see quality of place on the list. So over the years, it's changed for more of the, you know, location, location is always going to be one of your, you know, up there in the top. Um, but workforce has moved way, way up. And so I think as an economic development person, you sort of move from that, infrastructure mindset, which is always important, but it's kind of a given to um, more of the quality of, of place, the things that are happening now. And even with incentives, I mean, back then incentives were so like top, top important. Now incentives are still important, but they're sort of a given, just like the location or just like having infrastructure. And we're now more into the holistic view of the quality of place and what's around me and do I want to be here and the sustainability factor. So a lot, a lot of changes have gone on. Uh, and again, in, in my world, we started out as the as the you know what properties are available and when i left we were much more how can we help our locals do uh, a, a much better you know job of what they're doing well and i know one of the and, and i appreciate that and i was hoping you would would talk about you know how how it changed from that that infrastructure to to quality of place and how those things evolved and I think one of the other things that uh, you and I've talked about over time in terms of your role with NIPSCO is the board service that you provided to a lot of the local economic development organizations. Uh, so talk about the importance of boards. Talk about uh, what boards, I mean, from your perspective of having served on those boards, um, you know, what do they get right? What are some of the challenges that board members face? Uh, just reflect on your board service for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> you're absolutely right, Lee. I've, I've seen a lot of different boards, and I've seen some very good boards, and I've seen some boards that aren't quite so functional. And I think sometimes, at least historically, people got on boards because it was sort of a status symbol. And so you would get people on a board, but there was very little participation or very little engagement. And I don't know that we can afford to do that anymore with our boards. So, you know, to me, boards are um, a, a place where people, you have to choose the right people who are on those boards and you have to choose people who want to participate and who are willing to participate. And you, as a, as a Lido or somebody ahead of the board, you have to then figure out which board member is interested in sort of what area and engage that board in uh, that board member in that particular area, find out what they like, get them involved in it, find out what their passion is. If you can find somebody who has a passion that wants to get something done, even if it maybe wasn't something that was top of your list, they can still help you if you work with them and allow them to express their passion. So uh, I think choosing the right people on a board and getting them engaged is very important from the Lido standpoint as you're building your board. If you're a board member, I think you have some true obligations. 
one of those is to participate. If you're not going to participate, don't go on the board. And then once you're on, I think it's your role to learn as much as possible about that board, about that community, about the people you're serving for, because really your role, in my opinion, is to be an ambassador for that board, for your community. So really you are like an extension of that Lido or that Rito or who, whatever board you're on, where you're out talking to people and that board's on your mind and, and you're sharing, sharing good things that are going on. You're gathering information from people you're talking to, you're listening to them, you're bringing it back to the board so that that board and that organization can be better. So, I mean, we always talk about oversight and absolutely people about a board, they need to have oversight. You need to watch the financials. You need to watch what's going on. You need to make sure you have a plan. But really, I believe that, that if you're on a board, you need to be an ambassador and you need to be willing to step up and do something to help that board grow. So, and I think sometimes, I think uh, uh, local economic development professionals and, and people who manage economic, or excuse me, not-for-profit organizations, they go back and forth between, uh, you know, is the board, is it, is it, doing good things? Is it service or is it just, uh, is it just a distraction? Um, you know, what kind of advice do you give to those, to those uh, directors about how to work with their boards and how to get the most from them without it feeling like a distraction? Well, again, I think it goes back to starting out right from the beginning, choosing the right people and making sure that when, when I say the right people, I think you have to have a mix of people on your board. You have to have some elected officials. You definitely, in economic development, need to have some businesses. You need to have other, some other community leaders to cross over into those other um, uh, partnerships that are out there. But once you select your board, you need to sit down one-on-one -on -one with, each, with each of those members. They need to understand where you're coming from, and you need to understand, again, what their passion is so you can get them engaged. Once they're, once they're engaged, um, then you can start taking advantage of, of their strengths and utilizing, uh, utilizing them to help your cause. Well, I think uh, going back to something you said earlier, you, you talked about sort of a customer focus. And I think um, in some degree, uh, uh, board, board members are part of our customers. And I think probably the same way that you're listening to external businesses, uh, listening to your board members uh, and, and understanding their expectations and their expertise uh, is part of that broader perspective of just serving your customer base, whether it's, you know, community, whether it's the businesses. Um, I'm not sure that we always think of our board members as customers, but, but to a large extent, they are. I, absolutely, they are. And they're on your board because they want to do something. They're a customer who has some interest in what you're doing. And so, as you said, if we listen to them uh, and we figure out what, what their passion is, I think as a leader or as a board leader, you have to figure out how to get those, those board members engaged. A board member who's not engaged, whether they're an elected official or a business, is, is not going to be a good board member and really isn't doing much for you. So having them engaged is, is important, and that's your job as the board leader. 
certainly to, to be able to do that. And I, I think a lot of people want to be on a board, again, as I said, because it's kind of prestigious or whatever, but I don't think you need to have everybody on your board. The boards I've seen that operate actually fairly, fairly well are those that utilize committees where you're not looking to your board necessarily to do all the work, but you are using uh, your board members to help facilitate committees where you bring in other interested people into your community. And that way you get like people uh, getting together to do something to help you uh, that they're very interested in accomplishing. And I've seen that particularly at some of the regional levels now, particularly under, under some of the, um, the larger city areas where they've engaged people in committees like an education committee or a business retention committee, uh, rather than trying to just have your board members, you have other people outside. And what that does is it spreads your base as well into the community and can only help you as you get more people on board, understanding and supporting your organization. Well, and I've always found that when you have people outside the board working on committees, it gives you an opportunity to audition some of those folks <laughs> as potential board members. Well, you get a chance to yes. see who's who's passionate, uh, who's willing to work, uh, you know, and it, it helps build the bench to go back to your, your sports analogies, but it helps build the bench and then also helps you get a sense of, you know, who is willing to work and who brings, you know, some of that passion so that you, you audition them before you invite somebody on the board. So I think uh, there's a lot of advantages to that. So, so going back to something else that you talked about when, when we were talking about changes in economic development and, and how much, frankly, how much more diverse the, the activity has become as you, you are working with uh, workforce development, that you are thinking about quality of place and many different things. When I talk to some of the young professionals, the people coming new into the field, you know, one of the challenges that they reflect is, you know, is how do we step into that leadership position? In effect, how do we become a community leader sometimes without having authority? We're not elected officials. We may have a title. But as you think about sort of your evolution in your field and, and during your professional uh, time, what advice would you give to some of those new young professionals or just new people coming into the field, whether they're young professionals or not? How do they assume that leadership position? Just what advice do you give people coming into economic development? Economic development is definitely, in most communities and most areas, a fairly high-profile position. So I think it's important for you when you're coming into that position to, as quickly as possible, establish credibility and establish trust. And that's often hard to do, especially if you're coming into a new area and you don't know people. So I guess my advice and the people, I learn a lot from watching people and the successful people that I've seen are those who, when they've come into a position, have sort of set back for a while and they've reached out again, as I said earlier, reached out and, and it started to listen to people. And so I would say that getting to know your elected officials right away, having one-on-ones with them, to talk with them, understand where they're coming from, understand what they expect from the economic development professional, uh, understanding about their community and what they think is important is very important. I think sitting down with your key business leaders 
one-on-one -on -one and talking with them, asking them what's important to them, what they see happening in their community, what they'd like to see different. I think that's all, that's all sort of establishing that groundwork when you first come in. And that takes some time. As you know, you came in as an executive director. I remember when we hired you. And I remember how much time you spent just sitting and talking with people and, and asking about uh, the experiences with IEDA and what they did. That's all important for you. If you come in guns a-blazing and try to start changing things as a, as a new professional, particularly as a young professional, and even maybe perhaps as a, as a female in the organization, although that's not as, as important as what used to be, um, you begin to kind of turn people off. And so I think you have to set that groundwork first with, with the leaders in the community. And then I think you um, need to understand that you're going to play many roles. And in some play times, you're going to be expected to be maybe a leader, but many times you're going to be expected to be a follower and a team player. I mean, it all economic development's all about teamwork. It's all about partnerships. And so as you reach out to those other organizations in your community and you begin to learn about the United Way or you begin to learn about the Chamber, or you begin to learn about maybe a, an organization that helps the homeless, you're learning about your communities, you're learning about what their needs are, and you're also building those relationships. And so at some point, um, you may take backseat to some of those and, and as an economic development person, try to figure out how to help them. And at other times, they're going to look to you to take the leadership role. And so I think it's really important that you understand that, that you have to be flexible, you have to play many roles, and you have to know when to play each role. I appreciate that uh, a lot. Um, so let's reflect on one other thing here. So um, what would you do differently? This is the if I knew then what I know now question. Uh, if you were doing things differently, uh, starting your economic development career over again, um, what would you do differently? <laughs> well, I guess it's been a long time since, uh, since I started. So uh, in looking back I, again, I think I think I would have gotten out at least in my role because we have maybe a little different, a larger footprint as a utility. But I think this this also sets for anybody who might be in a community or even a county or a region. I, I just think I would have gotten out more and done more one on ones with people. I would have tried to get to know my elected officials. Uh, I have to say I probably never did a good job. Uh, my boss, Don Babcock, uh, is wonderful at that and probably played that role. And I think as a team, we covered it. But getting to know your elected officials, getting to know the leaders in the community, I would have tried to do more of that up front. I, I definitely um, I would have looked for and tried to understand the opportunities for partnerships. I think sometimes in economic development, we get ourselves so into the silo like many other places. And I, and I think now, particularly in the, the world we're in with the COVID and everything that's going on, we're beginning to understand how important partnerships are. And so I think early on, rather than waiting for something like this to happen, we could have, I could have done this more. I could have been out understanding more uh, beyond just those really tight, close partners. I mean, I, I've always worked close with the workforce development folks, so I've always worked closely with our, some of our communities, but there are other people even beyond that. Um, I've learned towards the end of my career in the education area and in the business area that, that maybe we should have gotten on board a lot sooner. So I probably would have done that earlier. I also, I think this is kind of off the wall one, but, and I used to do more of this, but I think I would take advantage of speaking opportunities that come along. 
if there's an opportunity to speak in a local organization, if there's an opportunity to speak on the radio, if there's an opportunity to speak at a conference, I think I would have taken advantage of those. And that, that would have done a couple things for me. I think it would have made me feel uh, more secure in what I was doing because it would have built my confidence uh, and, and helped me grow quicker. Uh, I think it would also have gotten me in front of people so people would have known who I am more, and that's really important. And I just think it would have helped spread the word about what we were doing as well. So I, those are some things that I would have done. Well, you know, unless you get in front of people speaking and you, you know, you do, and you don't know what the hell you're talking about, but otherwise it's a way of establishing uh, a level of credibility when, when you do talk and you do take those kinds of speaking opportunities. And you talked earlier on about the, the importance of establishing trust early. And I think trust is uh, helping people understand what you do know and what you bring to the table. Uh, and, and again, unless you, you get up and talk about stuff you don't know what you're talking about, uh, as long as you stick to what you know, uh, it is a way of establishing a level of credibility, I guess. Well, you know, when you're in economic development or, gosh, when back in another career of mine, when I was a product manager and teaching people how to install boilers, you know, when you're up in front of people, they look at you as the expert. And even though you may not know everything about it, you probably, because it's your field, know more than they do about it. So you can get up and talk to folks um, just like we're talking now. I mean, I'm not an expert in, in how to be an economic development person. All I can do is share what I do know and, and what my experiences have been. And I think when you get up and speak in front of people, if you speak with your heart and you tell them about uh, what you do know about your organization and, and you share stories, I mean, I'll share a story with you, one that um, I'll never forget, but I, I, was, I was over in the Czech Republic and I was... Uh, over there to teach Czech contractors how to install our boilers. Of course, I don't speak Czech, so I was doing this through an interpreter. And I'm sitting in these these rooms with all these wild and crazy Czech contractors, which was, was a, just a great experience. But I had to say to myself, you know, although they, they do what they do, they're looking to me to be the expert in my field. And I think that really sunk in at that time that, I may not know everything about um, plumbing and heating and all of that, but I do know my product. And so I can share that with them. And I think we just have to say to ourselves, people look at us as the economic development experts. So let's pick a few key points. Let's share that with them as we speak to them. Let's share a few key things about what our organization's doing and how they can be engaged with that organization. And that's really all they're looking to hear. They don't, they're not looking to you to, to change the world. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> well, no. Well, well, maybe a little. Um, so I appreciate your time, and I love talking to you. And I and I have since we first met when I, when you were on the board, and I came on with IEDA. But I want to be respectful of your time. So what haven't I given you a chance to talk about that you really wanted to talk about today before we close? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Lee, you know me, I could, I could talk on and on, and I am trying to just stay to some of the, the key points that I've, that I've thought about as we prepared for this podcast. But I guess um, I would leave everybody with, with a few key points, and that is uh, economic development is a world where you have to be flexible. 
So be willing to be flexible, be willing to change, be willing to go with the flow. It's also a team sport. Partnerships and relationships are key. You can't do it alone. Um, and as, as Don Babcock tells me, economic development is work. And so if you're going to do this, be willing and be ready to put in some work and make sure that you follow through. And something I learned in a previous career, and I'll never forget this, but someone told me, never make a promise you can't keep. And I think I always try to remember that. I always try to, to look at it from the customer's perspective and say, um, how can I help that customer? But I don't want to make a promise I can't keep because then I'm going to lose their trust. And so. I guess I'd leave you with a quote that I just read in the last week or so, and I believe it was on Inside Indiana Business. And I think you have to be accountable. You have you had mentioned before that um, you may have responsibilities, but you may not have the authority to do things. But you can be accountable for your actions and for the things that you say you're going to do. And and I really like this quote, so I, I, I'm going to leave this with you. Accountable people are truthful, keep their word, follow through take responsibility, withstand pressure, address incompetence, work until the job gets done, and don't tolerate two-faced behavior. And boy, I think if, you, if, you, if you've listened to that, that kind of sums it up with economic development. Uh, it'll help you uh, build trust, build relationships, build confidence. It'll help you get through, get through life. Well, thank you. And I'm just delighted that you were, were the first to help me kick off this series, but I'm glad that uh, when, I, when I told a couple of people I was going to approach you about doing this, they said, well, Diane will never do it. And I said, well, wait, it'll be, it will all be worse off if we don't get a chance to capture some of your thoughts. And so I really appreciate you taking time to, to chat with me today. Well, thank you, Lee, and I've, I've enjoyed my time on your board and working with you over the years, and, and as I, I told you, I've already signed up as a retiree, so I hope to, to see folks at IEDA, and, and as you can tell through our discussions, I mean, my side of economic development is much more of the relationships and the touchy-feely. There's also the whole other side that other folks could probably talk about in terms of, of understanding the properties and tax abatements and all of that, and I'd love to talk to you about that sometimes, but I think just just having this softer side and, and the stuff that we have talked about here are really going to uh, help people get started in economic development. So thank you so much. Nope. Thank you. So I've been talking today with Diane Thalman. Uh, it's hard for me to say this, but the recently retired economic development manager with NIPSCO uh, helping me kick off our series of talking to uh, what we in IEDA parlance think of as our seasoned professionals. Diane, thanks for your time. You're welcome, Lee. Thank you. This has been the IEDA In Your Ear podcast brought to you by Wabash Valley Power Alliance. Thank you for listening. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association and all rights are reserved. Mm -hmm.